are listening to Shining Star Community Church English Ministry Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. Yeah, Apostle Paul is, aside from Christ, of course, probably the greatest theologian to have ever lived. Like, he's it, okay? Bless you. <laughs> I love it. Right? He's known for his tight theological reasoning, and we've gone through this book, and you can see that Galatians is no exception. He's sharp. Apostle Paul, he knows what he's talking about. And it's for that reason that makes this particular passage, this text that David just read, so interesting. Because usually in the other, in the other letters, you see his mind at work as he's kind of building up for the kind of the, the debate or you know, as he is about to portray or display the, the gospel message in his apologetics or, his, or whatever. And you see him just crafting his defense of the gospel. But from verses 12 to 20, you don't get any of that. None of it. Instead, you get something almost opposite from typical Paul. You get something emotional. Maybe, maybe the correct word would be passionate. You get this passionate, emotional, intense appeal to his readers. He's saying, please understand my heart. Listen to what I'm saying. So our first point comes from verse 12. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. Our first point is, become like others that they might be like you. Now that sounds like a terrible thing to say. Sounds like I'm telling you given to peer pressure, right? I'm not. That sounds like a whole lot of no, and we shouldn't do that. But if anything, this statement alone, I, I would have to say, doesn't even fit along the whole kind of flow of the passage. So why in the world is Apostle Paul saying something like this? Because this has been and always been the principle of Paul's ministry. In fact, he also says this in 1 Corinthians 9.22. I have become all things to men so that by all possible means I might save some. Now there's a couple points to this. And I think you know what the first one might be. What's the biggest and greatest example of someone being like us to save us? Jesus. The incarnation, Jesus became one of us in order to save us so that now he, Jesus, calls you and I, calls us to become like those to whom we want to evangelize to, to shepherd and minister to. You know, there's a story of a, of a guy, uh, I forget his name, uh, this is a story that my father told me many years ago. He was a faithful Christian to a church uh, he, was in a, he was a Caucasian-American guy, just polo shirt, khaki pants type of guy, no, no big thing. He was an IT professional, I believe. And one day, he is truly faithful to the Lord. One day, God called him and said, go to the nearby biker's bar near your home and go evangelize. And he's like, are you kidding me? He said, go, 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 go. And finally, he, he said, okay, fine. So he, he could go downstairs wearing, again, like his Best Buy looking like polo shirt, right, and his khaki pants and his kind of his nerdy self. And he walks over to the bar, and there he sees just all these Harleys just parked out in front. And he goes inside, neon letters. There's, and right when he enters, everyone stops, and all like 20, 30 of these Rough, tough, kind of bearded, leather-wearing, probably packing heat type of guys, I don't know, are just all stop, 
drinking their beer, they stop playing darts, they stop doing, playing pool, and they look at him. And he's about to just soil himself. And he's like, Lord, I'm the lion's den. What do you want me to do? And God says, share the gospel. And before he can even say something, they all kind of approached him and they pushed him out. They said, don't ever come back. And he's like, yeah, no problem. So he went out. Later that week, he prayed. He said, God, was this, was this just me, me being a crazy person going to a place I really don't belong? And God says, you need to go back. And he goes, God, you saw what happened. Next time, they will murder me. I don't want to go. And God says, go. And what's interesting is this. God says, be like them. He's like, what does that mean? Within a span of one month, as he just prayed over and mulled over this, he didn't know what that meant. He's like, I just want to share the gospel. He loved the Lord. But during that one month, what he ended up doing, what he felt convicted by, was that he needed to be like them. So the next day, when he received that conviction, he went and he tatted himself up. He tatted himself up. He got the tattoo sleeves. He got the neck tattoo. He got everything. And he said, it was the most painful thing ever in my life. And he went and he got a Harley Davidson, sold his car. He learned how to ride. And there he, after he was all ready, this little IT nerdy guy, parks his car, his Harley, into the biking area, and he enters, still nervous. God, is this a mistake? <laughs> and as he enters, everyone just looks and they look away. And he stands in front of everyone. And from then, he shares the gospel. He shares the gospel of Jesus Christ, and over a dozen men there gave their life to the Lord. Over 12 men. That was the message of Paul. Are you willing to do what it takes to share the gospel? to the people that you must evangelize, to minister and shepherd. This is the model of Apostle Paul from 1 Corinthians 9. Paul, he was a completely free man, Roman citizen. But he made himself a slave so that everyone will relate to the ones that he spoke, the ones that he evangelized to. To win over the Jews, he emphasized his Jewishness. To win over the Gentiles, he lived as a Gentile, separated. To reach out to the weak, Paul, he took on their weakness. You see, Paul, he made it a point to walk in the shoes of his hearers so that there will be nothing distracting or nothing different that would take away the focus on Christ. So when they see him, they don't see Paul, this educated PhD, Pharisee of Pharisee from the tribe of Benjamin. All No, no, they saw someone that they could relate to. They saw someone who was lowered. You see, Paul, he lowered himself to, the, to that other people so that all they could see when they see him is Christ and not Paul. They see Christ and not Paul. So folks, when people see you, what do they see? Who do they see when they see you? Do they see someone who's got it all together? You always got that smile. 
Someone who's always pimping in nice BMW, Lexus, Mercedes, and saying, look at me, look at my flashy life. Are you someone who likes to show off? You know, the nail that sticks out is the one that gets hammered, and Paul's message was one word, humility. Be humble, because that's the basis of the gospel, that Christ would humble himself to our level, the level of his creation, and yet choose to go to the cross for you and me. Are you walking in a way where people see the hope of Christ in you rather than the dread of man? Do people see the joy of salvation in you or the face, or the face of rebellion and disobedience? Walk in such a way that shouts, I know God, I need God, God is good. How do people see you? You know, that's a good question to ask your best friend. If you have a best friend, say, how do people see me? Unless they're like one of those lying best friends. When, you're, when you look terrible, they're like, oh, you look fantastic. I'm talking about like your real, ask your sibling. <laughs> no, no, ask your mother. <laughs> she'll, she'll say it like it is. How do people perceive me? How do people see me? You know what? If you want, ask me. I'll say it. I don't care. Secondly, there's another principle here, the concept of imitation. Now, has anyone ever heard of TED Talks? Right, I'm sure most of you guys have. You probably watched it too. Or maybe you went to a school or a college or university where you witnessed like an awesome lecture by a fantastic teacher or professor, and you're just drawn to the speaker, right? You're just drawn to them. But the lecturer, he, he is eventually telling everyone what to think. In effect, they're saying, listen to me and do or believe what I tell you because I'm smarter than you. That's what these professors are saying. I have so many college students after their first semester or first year of university emailing me saying, Pastor David, my professor said that God doesn't exist. I'm like, and? What are you trying to say? They, they said it really confidently. They're so influenced by these people saying, hey, I tell you what to believe. I tell you what to do and just do that. But the biblical model is actually really different. Apostle Paul's principle model is really different because it's all about learning, not by, because we're being forced to stuff, but he's saying learn by imitation. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In fact, Paul tells one church, and I'm paraphrasing here, he's saying this, look, in case you've totally forgotten and you don't remember anything I've said or anything I've done, I've sent, I'm sending Timothy to remind you, so all you need to do is just watch Timothy and imitate Timothy because Timothy watched and he imitates me and I've watched and I've imitated Christ. This is how we learn. If you have little children you're probably amazed to see them do and say exactly what you say and do, even if you're trying to teach them the complete opposite. Am I right, parents? Amen? Why? Because that's how we learn. Children imitate their parents. Now, I don't want to get started on all the good and bad things that Ada has learned from me and Grace. Ada will copy even how I treat my dog. She'll always go up to my dog named Stevie and say in a low voice, Who's a good boy? <laughs> oh, Stevie, good boy. I had no idea I sounded like that. Always, every morning as she greets the dog, it's never like, hey, Stevie, who's a good boy, Stevie? Who's a good boy? Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I do that. Every morning, I guess I'm like, who's a good boy, Stevie? 
They just imitate. They just copy you. But parents and future parents, just remember this. What you value in your life, your kids will value in theirs. What you spend most of your time on, your kids will too. If it is your phone, your smartphone, video games, computers, sports, TV, books, or what have you, guess what? That'll be what's the, what they'll be into as well. If you don't show that you take prayer and scripture reading and church seriously, then you really have no right to get upset at them the day that they grow up and say to you, I want nothing to do with God. Why? Because having nothing to do with God was all they've ever seen growing up from you. Why should it be any different now? But here's a glorious turn to this point, though. Is that none of us need to be at the level of Apostle Paul and his theology and his understanding of God to be able to accurately and, 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 and be able to lead our children well. We don't need to wag our fingers at our kids and say, you better listen to me and obey my commands for them to be little angels. No, instead, we're called to just walk alongside them and show them what it means to live out the Christian faith in its most basic and simplest form. And this applies to our everyday friendships and relationships with others too. Don't just tell them what they're doing wrong, but show what is right through your life because what happens is that we tend to want to be like these godly people and copy their lifestyles. You walk in accordance to God and his will. You place him number one in your life and you show it through your everyday life. Your kids, your people, your friends, your parents will follow suit. They will see that. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? The Spirit of God calls us all to imitate the approach of Apostle Paul. Become like the people you wish to reach. Love them. Walk humbly with them. Walk a mile in their shoes and explain the gospel in terms that they can understand and always set before them a model of Christian living. So should the day come when they begin to imitate you, they will actually be imitating Christ Jesus. My second point is that even when we give yourself away or ourselves away, some people will still reject and turn their backs on you. This is what Apostle Paul experienced here. You know, we live in a day and age <clears throat> where we have celebrities in every arena of life. We have the obvious Hollywood celebrities. What a bummer, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Gardner. Rooting for them. It's so sad. But we have celebrity athletes. Kobe Bryant had like the biggest send-off ever. Right? Did you guys watch that? No? That's fine. It's not important. <laughs> I mean, it was so big to the point where Shaquille O'Neal said, I'm envious. He said, why didn't I get that kind of send-off? But not only that, we have celebrity chefs, celebrity musicians, <clears throat> celebrity politicians. And here's a weird one. We have celebrity Christians. And celebrity pastors. I remember when I went to the Southern Baptist Convention, I met David Platt. And on my way to the bathroom, I ran into Shane and Shane. And I met J.D. Greer, and you guys have no idea who I'm talking about. That's okay. But I was stoked. These guys are like my idols, my heroes, so to speak. And if any of them said to me, yo, David, Let's hang out. I'd be like, yes, you're my best friend. <laughs> I would drop anything 
and say, yes, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. I'll buy you dinner. Let's, I just want to hear from you, oh, great David Platt, president of IMB. I want to listen to you, oh, Shane and Shane. Would you just serenade me? But here's the thing. Apostle Paul wasn't like that at all. When he entered a new city, he would go into synagogue just like all the other Jews. But no one had a huge invitation. No one had a banquet for him. It was only when they asked him, because he was, had a past of Pharisee, they said, if you want to give a word or you want to give a little insight into something or you want to do a little greeting, that he would actually start telling them about <clears throat> Jesus. When Paul went to Philippi, there was no synagogue. So he'd go down by the river because that's where all the Jews would live in that area. And he would gather people. But a lot of people didn't want to go there. They didn't really care about Paul. They didn't really care about his message. And so he would only find a handful of women and he would pray with them and pray for them. And he would preach to them because they were the only ones willing to listen. Then in Corinth, he simply set up shop as a tent maker. And soon he would befriend other tent makers, Aquila and Priscilla. And then they would get him and bring him to their synagogue where he would then give the, be given the opportunity to speak about Jesus. Paul's approach to ministry was about this. I just want to be for the people and give myself to the people. The Lord is asking you right now, are you giving yourself to the people around you? Uh, this, this, this calls for us to step out of that zone, people, that comfort zone. Are you putting yourself out there? Are you walking alongside these people, whoever they are, Christians or not? And are you able to share the good news of Jesus Christ when the opportunity presents itself? There was no massive revival conference broadcast across the region that the great Apostle Paul would come as a guest speaker. There was no sales pitch or campaign or marketing. There was only one thing. Apostle Paul, he felt the tug of the Holy Spirit, and he trusted in God, and he went where the Lord told him to go. And then, Lord God, he's telling you something, too. God, the Holy Spirit, is telling you to say something. He's telling you to meet with certain people. He's telling you to speak life and truth. He's telling you to push forth and advance the gospel for the sake of his kingdom. But so many of us are saying, no, I can't, I won't. This is too much. It's too hard. Listen to the honesty of Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. I came to you in weakness, with fear, and with much trembling. Does that sound like anyone here? That's me. That's all of us. And he says, resolve to know nothing except for Jesus Christ crucified. I have only one strength, the, that Jesus Christ is with me. And never was this more true when he arrived in Galatia. Because he was sick. This text, this pastor that we just read said he was sick. He was physically ill and poor health. And yet in his weakened state, he still gave himself to them. How great is that? In his weakened physical state, it forced him to approach people more humbly and it helped him to focus more on, their, on his concern for their spiritual state than his physical state. And many people came to know the Lord. And here's another great aspect to this welcome to that region. People really liked him. They welcomed him. They received him with gratitude. And it says they would have even torn out their eyes for him. Now that's a really weird thing to say. 
It's like, hey, did you meet, that, did you meet my friend Bob? It's like, yeah, I totally would have torn my eyes out for him. What does that mean? Well, we don't know. Apostle Paul, he was near blind. All we know is this, that it demonstrated their love for him. It's like, I love him so much, I'll give anything I can for him. So that's what Apostle Paul remembered the last time he went to Galatia, but then all of a sudden, something happened. And this is the part that we're reading. Now they're treating Paul like he was their enemy. And because of that, Paul's like, where is this coming from? Like you and I, we loved each other. We worshiped together. You heard the preaching and teaching of Jesus Christ. Together we fellowship, we commune, and everything. Now I'm your enemy? Where is this coming from? But what happened before, before his arrival was that there were other people who came too, false teachers. <clears throat> and they were trying to get these believers in Jesus to get back under the rigors of obeying the law. So these teachers who were really persuasive ended up leading many people astray. So what did Paul do? The only thing he could do, which is just speak the truth. I'm not going to compete with these guys. I'm going to keep telling you what the gospel is. It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, and nothing but Jesus. That's his message. And yet because he preached a gospel message, because it was the purest form, because it was different from what they've heard from the other false teachers, they began to treat him as their enemy. And here's a fact of life. <clears throat> you will be among friends. You will be among family members and even among fellow church members and you will give yourself over to them. You will pour out your life to them, your money, your resources, your everything in their time of need. You will speak truth to them. You will pour out your grace to them. You will weather the storm with them and you'll walk hand in hand and you will support them because you are a sister in Christ. You are a brother in Christ. You are a family member of the Shining Star Community Church and you will do everything and you will help them get back on their feet when all of a sudden, out of the blue, they will somehow hate you for your help. And they will want nothing to do with you. And they will think of a million reasons why you are as bad as they think you are. And let me tell you, that hurts. Because the reality of this fallen world, the reality of our fallen spiritual state, is that even when we give ourselves to people, they will sometimes turn on you. And that's what Apostle Paul just experienced. So what is he saying? Does he say, because they turned their back on you, you turn your back on them. No way. He does not say that. He does not say stop loving them. He does not say stop forgiving them. He does not say stop being with them. No, because ultimately, we don't do what we do as Christians to get their approval, do we? We're not doing this so that they would pat us on the back. Your love for others stems from your love for Christ and his love for you and knowing that he loves them. 
And Jesus, he warns us this reality. If they love me, they will love you. If they rejected and persecuted me, they will do the same for you. No servant is greater than the master, John 15. So do you all, whoever that may be in your life, <clears throat> whoever that you feel is like, I'm doing this, but they're turning their back on me. This is what Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, keep loving them. Keep praying for them. Keep pouring out your compassion and generosity and kindness upon them because when you do it with the infinite love and grace of God, you will never run dry. If for the sake of the gospel, anyone here, if for the sake of the gospel, you get hurt, then consider it a privilege that you're able to walk in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is a privilege. And my last point is that we need to be aware of being overly zealous. Zealousness means to be overly eager or passionate for some sort of cause or belief system. But here's the problem. It depends on what you're zealous for. Paul was zealous for God and for people to know God. And so he comes to Galatia with a message of grace we cannot earn God's favor because nothing we do can ever place us in a right standing before a holy and perfect God because God in his love, he had to send his son Jesus to do what we could not do, live in perfect obedience to the will of the Father, and Jesus did it. And because Jesus did it, God was pleased with him. And then motivated by his love and his obedience to the Father, Jesus went to the cross to pay the debt that we could not pay. And he suffered the penalty for our sins and he made the atonement that we could never make for ourselves. Then three days after Jesus died, God, he raised him from the dead, demonstrating that Jesus was indeed the Son of God and also verifying the fact that Jesus has successfully paid the debt for our sins. And now through the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, he offers everyone here forgiveness of sins and eternal life to those who simply place your trust in him instead of in yourself. God, he then will accept you and he will declare you righteous, you who were once people of sin, people who could not earn his favor, but God, he accepts those who rest in Jesus. Are you resting in Jesus today? When life sucks, are you resting in Christ today? When even your fellow sisters and brothers of this church fail you, are you resting in Christ alone today? You see, when the people of Galatia heard this, they loved it. They celebrated, and they were happy to hear the good news. And so the gospel, they believe the gospel and the Holy Spirit began to transform them. But then <clears throat> Paul, he goes away. And then some religious zealots arrive. And these guys, they claim to be Christians. But they changed one completely vital, crucial component to the gospel message. They said, hey, you can believe in Christ too. But know this, Christ is not enough. You have to believe in Jesus, sure, but you also need to be circumcised and become converts to Judaism. You must also learn all 613 rules and regulations of the Old Testament law. And if you want to be in right standing before God, if you want God to say, I accept you, I love you, I welcome you, and I invite you into my home, then you know what? You need to earn it. That's what these guys are saying. 
Now, you would think that the people of Galatia would instantly say, this is totally wrong, because it's totally opposite from what Paul was teaching before. But they didn't. Why? Because these new teachers, they were passionate. They were impressive. And they were eager to say to the people what they want to hear, that you, can't, that you can do it on your own, and when you do more, you'll be better than the other people next to you. You see that? You can compare one another's holiness. You can then know how much better, how better off you are and how much better off you're with God than the guy who doesn't pray as much as you do, doesn't read as much as you do, doesn't give as much as you do, isn't as good as a parent as you are, isn't good as a church member as you are, isn't someone who's as humble as you are, isn't someone who does more than you. No, see, you, now, you can, now you can compare each other, and through your obedience, you can now know that you are welcome by God. And people are like, hey, I, I like that. I like that I can measure myself against, not God, but against him. So Paul, he writes a letter to them. He says that if your zealousness alienates you from the gospel of Jesus, you are wrong. Because he's saying if Jesus is the son of God, like the son of God, God himself, And he has done everything. And he is God. Why in the world would anyone here listen to someone who says that we need to take away from his life, take away from his death, take away from his work, take away from his perfection, take away from his resurrection? How is that a good idea to minimize anything of what Christ has done? You see, the zealots were trying to convert people to themselves. Paul was trying to convert people to Christ. You can be zealous in your faith, but if you find that people are more impressed with you, the Christian, than Christ the King, then you're doing it wrong. If you begin to teach Bible stories about how great King David is, but rather than teaching them about the great Redeemer that King David is waiting for, then we've missed the picture. If we teach ourselves and to others that it's only about what you can do and not what Christ has already done, then we're doing it all wrong. Paul says to imitate him because then you'll imitate Christ. The zealots say, imitate me and stop right there. When you share life with people, what kind of gospel are you preaching to them? Are you saying, look at my life and how well I am and how put together I am? So be like me. If that's the case, that's the false message. If there's any person in Scripture here who could have said that, it may have been Apostle Paul, the great theologian, apologist, apostle, this most learned scholar of Christ. He was arguing for the gospel of grace against these false teachers. He could have said, hey, be just like me, be just like me. But no, he's someone who can argue against anyone, run circles around anyone. And yet what does he do in this passage here? He desperately, passionately pleads and he displays his great transparency saying, I need God. Because at the end of the day, Paul knows who God is. And when you know who God is, then you know who you are and how much you need him. And today, brothers and sisters, God, he's asking all of us to surrender to him. And I think for some of you, as I was praying today, 
I believe that some of you, if not many of you, once had a vibrant relationship with Christ, but now something has happened in your life. Like before, it was you and Christ was close. You communed with him. You fellowshiped with him. You would wake up with great joy and excitement knowing that you are the daughter or the son of the Most High. But something happened. Perhaps you began to allow sin to creep up. Perhaps you compromised somewhere in your life. Perhaps you began to settle into the world. And so the world began to shape you instead of God shaping you. You allowed the world to start shaping your mind, your heart, and your soul. You're beginning to allow the trends of the world influence the vision that God had once given you. You begin to allow the current struggles of your marriage and relationship, you, you allow that broken relationship and broken marriage to start influencing and define your marriage with Christ rather than having your marriage with Christ influence your marriage with your spouse or your relationship with others. You know what Paul's doing here, if I could sum this up? Paul is talking to the people of Galatia to remember their first love. He's saying, remember, remember. Remember back when, they were, when you were in love with Christ and only Christ. And brothers and sisters, I want to say the same thing to you. If you're feeling spiritually dry, remember that moment you had with Christ. Remember that time when you were just, I don't care about anything or anyone else. Christ, I just want you, Jesus. And so made for us today, we need to let go of the things that we've been trying to control for so long. You know what you're called in the Bible? You're called clay. And we're never meant to shape ourselves. Let the freedom you find in the gospel message shape you. Let God, the potter, shape you like one, Psalm 151 says, Not to us, O Lord, but to your name give glory. Turn your life, turn your heart, turn your dreams, turn your hopes and your fears over to Christ and say, I am not my own. You've made me, you've bought me, I am yours, not to us, but for your glory. Have your way with me. Have your way with me. Apostle Paul knew that. What is your position right now? Let's go before God, let's pray. What is your position before the Lord right now? Are you imitating Christ? Are you showing the example of humility and love and compassion, generosity, faithfulness, understanding? Or do you find yourself more upset at people because they don't meet your expectations? In other words, you're saying, you're not like me. You know, the question we have to ask ourselves is simply, for those of us who, have, who are in a position of influence, 
What do you value? Because the things that you value, the people around you will see that, and they will also, especially those who are going to follow you, they'll be influenced by it and value that. Be very careful. So let's take this moment as we get into our last song, okay? I know you're tired. I know there's a lot in your mind, a lot in your heart, and you feel like there's something I need to do right after, so Pastor Dave, stop delaying and help us to get out of here on time. If you only knew that this entire week, God has been waiting for this moment, Not next week, not when you're ready, but right now is the moment that God has been waiting to hear your heart and for you to surrender and finally say, God, I give up. I cannot do it on my own. I need your forgiveness and I need your grace. Lead me today. I want people, when they see me, to see Christ and no one else. Let's pray.